Uh, but so I, 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 I do want to just take a few minutes. I uh, was reflecting on Jesus leads and we follow, but also um, camels are not as fast as Teslas. That's, that's a good insight. Um, and they also didn't have mapping software, so it's amazing they got anywhere, right? If mapping software disappeared tomorrow, a bunch of us would be wandering around totally, totally lost. So when I was a little kid, there was a place I always wanted to go. I always thought it'd be cool to go to the North Pole. Uh, but again, a map's not really going to help you get to the North Pole, right? Like turn left at that polar bear, turn right at that glacier. It's very complicated. So then I thought, well, maybe I'll use a compass, I got bad news about this. A compass will get you to the magnetic North Pole, which is still about 300 miles away from the actual North Pole. And when you are covered in ice and there are hungry polar bears and there's no Taco Bell in sight, 300 miles is a long way. So I gave up hoping to do this as a kid because I just realized to make it work, I would need a guide, and I didn't have money for a guide, and I didn't know any North Pole guides I trusted, so I just sort of gave up, gave up the hope. Maybe one day, maybe one day. I tell you all this because what brings us together tonight is a, is a quest of sorts, but it's a different quest. It's a quest that we each experience. We see it in the lives of people we love. We, we see it across civilizations and throughout history, and it is the quest to come to know God. It is the quest to reconnect to our Creator, to figure out why we are here and, and how we can live more purposefully because we know this. And as Emma pointed out, part of what's so interesting about that first Christmas is how many people and things were pointing to Jesus, as if to say, this child has something to tell us about these big questions that we ask. And so what I want to do tonight is look at the passage uh, Holland's read for us earlier and to begin to tease out a little bit of that. We have been in a series here at the church on the I am statements of Jesus, the things that Jesus in the Bible said about himself, his own identity, his own purpose. If you have not heard any of those sermons, that's okay. We, we design our series so you can start at any moment and still get something out of it. But if you've gotten to hear the whole thing, maybe you'll get a little bit, little bit more out of it. So Jesus said this, Jesus taught this, the baby laid in the manger grew up and he said this, this is John chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So you have a line tonight. You have, a, you have words you have to say tonight. I'm going to say do, and then your line is to say not. Do let your hearts be troubled. You, you have a second line. You believe in God, believe also in me. Do let your hearts be troubled. You in God believe also in me. So Jesus is going to say more things, but I think this verse is the one that helps us get a sense of what he wants us. It's kind of the interpretive verse of the whole passage. He is saying these things so that you do let your heart be troubled. He's saying this to bring you and me peace. And then he talks about believing. Believe is a word we throw around a lot, but often we mean it like, I believe that God exists. Jesus is using it in a different sense here. He's talking about trusting or having faith. In the original language, you could translate the word believe, trust, or have faith. 
So if you have a broken leg, it is one thing to believe that your crutches exist. It is a very different thing to put all of your weight onto those crutches. It is a very different thing to believe that they can hold up your full weight. So when Jesus is talking about belief, he's talking about the second one of those, that he is trustworthy, that he can be believed, that that he can withstand the full weight of your life. Verse 2, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? When we talk about connecting to God or, or reconciling with God, some people talk about it as getting to heaven. And then some people talk about it as heaven coming to earth. Some people will talk about it more with the eternal life perspective, and some people will talk about it more as finding abundant, purposeful life on earth. Which of those is correct? Yes is the answer. Yes. They are both important, and Jesus promises both. He's talking in this moment about heaven, about going to where God is, the eternal presence of God. He describes it as a house, and he says in this house there is plenty of room, plenty of room. We're not trying to cram like 28 people into a phone booth. There is plenty of room. I was informed at the last service no one knows what a phone booth is anymore. (laughs) Plenty of room. There is, in other words, room in God's family for you. There is room in God's family for me. There is room in God's family. Verse three and four. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. So again, same sort of thing he's reiterating, but then he says this phrase, you know the way to the place I'm going. At which point I would say, no, we don't. How are we supposed to know the way. Where, where is heaven? How, what's the way? How in the world would we ever get there? Like, I've been in an airplane. I've been above the clouds. It's just, it's just clouds. So, where is this? Verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Thank you, Thomas. Uh-oh, wait a minute. Even if you don't know much about the Bible, you may have heard of the disciple Thomas. He often gets a little word put in front of his name, doubting. And so, here is Thomas saying the very same thing I just said. So, this is not going to turn out well for me, is it? I think he just set it up and Jesus is about to spike it on him. Let's see. Verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way. You get it? You know the way. Jesus says, I am am the way. Oh, that's how we know the way. Jesus is the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But we try. We try so hard. If only I can do enough good. If only I can go to church enough. If only I can go to Christmas Eve enough. If, if only, if only, if only, like if humanity was lined up with like the best person at that end of the room and the worst person over there. If I can just get close enough to that side of the room before God's house meets its quota, I'll be okay. And Jesus is saying it doesn't work that way. It's different than that. Because even the person at the front of the line, the best person, there's still a gap, there's a gulf between the best person and God because God is perfect. And even at our best, we are still imperfect. 
And so there is a need for that gap to be crossed, that gulf to be crossed. And Jesus says, I am the way. The way has to be paved. And Jesus says, I am the way. What's so interesting about this is that he's already said, you know the way. In other words, not that I'm just going to give you a bunch of directions and turn you loose, but you can know me. You can have a relationship with me. He's inviting us into a relationship. Jesus did not hand us a map and say, good luck. Jesus is wanting to be our guide. Because in a quest this big, a map's not going to do it. We need a guide. Jesus offers to be our guide. God. He doesn't tell us to do 28,000 things to reconcile to God. He says to do one thing. He says, follow me. He's asking us to trust Him. I mean, think about it. If you were going to go with me on my lifelong quest to visit the North Pole, we need to pick a guide we trust. There's a lot of ways to mess that up. So how much more important is it to be careful about the guide that we choose when our quest is to find our Creator, to reconcile to God? And yet, we go searching for God. What Jesus is saying to us is actually better news. God has come searching for you. And He wants to be your guide, my guide, to reconcile us back to Him into a relationship, a reconciled relationship that comes from trusting Jesus. And so the passage ends with this verse, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So Jesus has said, I am the way. Well, what kind of way? I'm the true way. I'm the truth. Jesus is inviting, I believe, our scrutiny. The truth can be scrutinized. That's not wrong. That's not bad. Truth can stand up. So I'm the way, what kind of way? The true way. How do I know it's the true way? Where does it lead? It leads to life. And then Jesus says what I think is the most provocative verse of the whole thing. He says, you do know God and you have seen God if you know me and see me. This is one of those little distinct things about the Christian faith that that we believe that Jesus was not simply human. He was fully human, but He was also fully God, that He held together God and humanity in Himself, just as He now offers to hold together God and humanity forever. And so, He says, if you have seen Me, you have seen the face of God. The point being, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. That's the claim he's making here. You want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. If you want to see the compassion of God or the mercy of God, look at Jesus. If you want to see the grace and truth of God in all its glory, or at least in in, in the amount of glory that we as humans can, can comprehend, look at Jesus. All of this brings us back to the baby in the manger. The fact that Jesus, if He is what Christians believe, He was fully God, fully human, God come to earth to reconcile us back to God. If that's really who He was, it tells us something about God that He came as a baby. Because couldn't God have done like more shock and awe than that? But He came as a baby. That tells us something about God's humility. That tells us something about God's vulnerability, but it also tells us that God did not want us to be afraid. 
If God had come with a little more shock and awe, if Jesus had come with a little more shock and awe, you and I might have been scared straight. I can keep the rules good enough to not get the wrath to come down on me. But he came as a baby. Who's afraid of a baby? What did that verse say? Do, some of you already forgot your line, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus reflected on his own birth by saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. He came as a baby. Nobody's afraid of a baby. It's almost like we're being invited in to trust him. Not to fear him, to trust him. Watch me. Watch how I grow up. Watch how I'm developing. You can come in. You don't have to be afraid. You, you can come to me. So that's kind of where we come to. On that very first Christmas, people received in Jesus. And every Christmas since then, the invitation has been this. You and me, our lives can be that manger. You and me, our lives can be that manger. We can receive Jesus in. We can welcome Jesus in, into our lives. Now, some of us have already welcomed Jesus in, but what we find is that our relationship with Jesus, after He, in the moment, reconciles us to God, He transforms us from the inside out. We watch that relationship mature. If you are a Christian, but your relationship has not matured in a long time, we invite you to come and try to grow alongside us. And if you don't like it here, we can help you find better churches. We know of plenty. But the point would be, find some group of people you can mature alongside. You and I can't do it alone. We can do it okay alone until it gets hard. Then we need people to walk with us. You may have never welcomed Jesus into, into your life, uh, and I would just say to you, you don't have to welcome in the fully mature relationship with Jesus. You can welcome in the baby relationship with Jesus. And then you just let it grow day by day, mature day by day, as you learn to trust Him more and more and more and more, and He transforms you from the inside out. The starting point is to realize you and I need a guide and that we trust Jesus to do it, to be it, to walk with us. So all that to say to you, Merry Christmas. Let's pray together. Let me give you a chance to pray, a chance to talk to God, to listen to God about what He's stirring up in your heart or in your mind, just take a moment on Christmas Eve for personal prayer. Lord, we come into this place from so many different directions, 
some of us exhausted, some of us joyful, some of us with anticipation, some of us heartbroken. I thank you for the moment we have had to refocus ourselves on the fact that whatever is going on in the world around us and inside of us, you are writing a greater story in our midst. Who knows how many countless people walked by the manger that night not knowing what they had just walked by. So I pray, Lord, that you would give us as the congregation, give, give us eyes to see it, to see the work you are doing, the great story you are writing in this world. And Lord, I pray we would get caught up in it, that we would receive Jesus into our lives and that we would let him transform us from the inside out. Lord, for those of us who keep areas of our life hidden from you, thinking it's out of your view, I pray that in the year ahead we would be willing to bring even those areas of our life to you, and that you would grow us into greater generosity and integrity and joy. Lord, for those of us who have never welcomed you in, I pray that tonight and during these songs and in the celebration tomorrow, we would be like the manger. We would receive Jesus in. Lord, we pray especially tonight for anyone who is brokenhearted. We pray you would comfort them in only the way you know how. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.